Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything that you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that's going to effortless unite your in-person and online sales into just one source of truth. You're going to be able to track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. You could connect with customers inline and online. And Shopify, it's going to help you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns. So we're talking about TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business, take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or you can use Shopify's POS Go Mobile device for battle tested solutions. Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. I say do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash headspace. That's all lowercase. So you're going to go to shopify.com slash headspace to take your retail business to the next level today. I'm going to say it one more time. Shopify.com slash headspace. When you say yes to other people or to others, make sure that you aren't letting yourself down. Have you ever wished you had a wise meditation teacher on speed dial? Someone you can call after a long day. Someone you could lean on for their advice. Someone to listen and help you to see things differently. Welcome to Dear Headspace. Well, hello, everyone. Here we are with yet another episode of Dear Headspace, a podcast where I sit down with a Headspace meditation teacher and we answer your questions. I'm Robin Hopkins, and today I am here with my pal, Eve. Hi, Eve. Hi, Robin. It's so nice to be back. And hello, everyone. It is always so lovely to see your face. Like our audience doesn't know that we do a little meditation before we record. And and I'm always like, as soon as I hear your voice, I'm like, like my shoulders come down a little bit. So it's lovely to be here with you today. Oh, good. I, it feels like a long time ago that we did the last episode, but also not a long time ago. I know it is um, weird like that, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's so nice on this rainy, cold day in LA. And I'm pretty sure it's cold and rainy in New York as well. I mean, just kind of always it's winter. I mean, and that's, it's funny because I was going to ask you, like, how are you feeling today? Like, are you motivated, not motivated? Because I was like, we, well, one, we've got some questions about that today. I mean, so I'm, I'm curious, like, where you're at. I think to feel motivated, a lot of things around you in your life need to feel stable and secure. And there's a few things in, in my life that don't feel like that right now. Yeah, yeah. So one thing that I really reflected on over the break was, you know, how can I take some of the learnings from last year, both personally, professionally, and use them in a positive way for this year? And rather than trying to list out 
a whole host of resolutions and things that I want to change and do and stop or start. Uh, instead, I decided I was just going to have one intention for this oh, year. Oh, I love that. I decided that my intention for this year was to nourish my mental and physical self. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I, and I'm I'm with you. Like I, you know, I... I feel like I'm in this place of just like, I feel like I, like I have an image of those old cars that you cranked, like, and I, <laughs> and I'm like cranking and cranking and trying to get back up to speed, but it's, it's, it's not going as smoothly as it normally does. Yeah. You can plan, you can have all these goals and things, and that's great. I really encourage that. But I think if I was to take one thing away from last year, it was that things just don't necessarily always go according to plan. So I really want to take that going into this year and say, like, I might have some plans, and that's great, but just try and be a little bit more flexible with change, which isn't always easy. Yeah. Well, I think it's time for us to get to what is my favorite part of the episode, which is the listener questions. Today, we have some spectacular questions. We're going to be talking about how to say no without guilt, how to find motivation to do things for yourself, and what to do when you really want to get other folks into mindfulness. I mean, these are great questions. So I think like no more chatting. Let's just dive right in. Here is our first question from Martin. Hello, this is Martin from Slovakia. I've been practicing mindfulness for more than two years. And today I have a question of how to be more confident to say no to others. I mean, for example, when somebody is asking me out, but I already have a plans, or if somebody is asking me to, you know, spend time with them or invest time in them, but I've already have another plans for myself, I feel always guilty to say no. So I rather say yes, and then I feel, you know, uncomfortable that uh, I'm not finishing my plans. So my question would be, how to be more confident to say no without any regrets, without any bad feelings, and not to be selfish, of course. Thanks a lot, and have a nice day. Oh, he was so sweet. Thank you for your question, Martin. That's, that's a wonderful question. It is. And I can really resonate with so much of what you said. And But first of all, that's amazing that you've been practicing meditation mindfulness for a couple of years. I think that's wonderful. My off the bat, my first thought is that little word no can carry so much baggage. We can create so many scenarios in the mind about what will happen if we say no to the point where it adds significant stress into our lives. Yeah. You know, I've been there. I have 100% been there. And, you know, saying no is not bad. No, no. And I was just envisioning Martin, like Martin who says yes when he doesn't want to say yes. Like, how do you show up? He's probably just distracted or thinking about the other thing that he's supposed to be doing or maybe not actually wanting to be there. So it's like you're not doing anyone any favors. No, definitely not. And if you think about the concern that we might have around saying no, often it comes from a place of wanting to avoid conflict. You know, we might be worried if we say no that there'll be some repercussions to that. Yeah, yeah. But also on the flip side, often we don't want to say no to someone because we don't want to let them down or disappoint them. And so that's that's also a 
you know, that's quite a nice positive quality. It comes from a good place. But unfortunately, if we consistently say yes to things that we can't actually or don't have the capacity to take on, it can leave you run down, burnt out, resentful. Uh, and like you said, Robin, if you agree to do something and you're completely distracted and you wish you weren't doing the thing that you're doing, it's not serving anyone, let alone you or the, or the other person or people. Yeah. There's an amazing quote, and I might get it a little bit wrong, by Paolo Coelho, the author, lyricist. And it goes something like, when you say yes to other people or to others, make sure that you aren't saying no or, or you're letting yourself down. Yes. Yes. That's I, it's so funny because that's I was thinking like, I wonder what he wants. Like, what does Martin want to do? And does he ever ask himself, well, what would I like to do? Because it's like, why are you putting everyone else's needs in front of your own? Exactly. And I think that the question here is, or rather the the point here is like, assess how it's going to make you feel if you say yes to something that you really can't ideally say yes to. Or the other way around is assess how it's going to make you feel if you say no. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and let's be honest, sometimes we do have to change our plans. Yeah. And we're going to be asked to do things probably more in a in a working environment where we don't necessarily want to do them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or, or in our personal lives, of course. Yeah. You know, we get asked to do things by our partners, you know, family and things like that. We have to do things that we maybe don't want to do, but we do them because we love the people around us. Uh, and so I think it's thinking about those trade-offs. You know, we can't do everything. We just can't. Wish we could. And saying yes when you don't have the capacity, as I said, can leave you feeling burnt out and run down. And and that is only going to add to the stress of how many things that you're taking on. Yeah. And if you're worried about letting someone down, you know, have a conversation with them and just say, look, I really would love to do this, but I actually have plans right now. And so can we find another time? Yeah. Communication is so important. Yeah. You know, as we've been chatting about this, in the back of my mind, I'm I'm thinking about, you know, how is it that you want to be spending your time, Martin? Yes. You know, really, yeah. really think about that. Yeah. It, it's so funny. I, I was just going to say, I think that's the most important thing you said is for Martin to check in with himself and to be like, well, if I wasn't going to hurt anyone's feelings, what would I want to do right now? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, Martin, you mentioned about not feeling selfish. It's not selfish to do things for yourself. It's not selfish to take care of yourself. Uh, and it's not selfish saying no. And and if you're if you're worried about, you know, how you might say no to so someone, start with something really small. Mm -hmm. You know, just experiment, just saying no to really little things. Uh, and and then, save people and, and, and saying exactly. no to save people. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Because it does take a bit of practice and it, it can feel uncomfortable as much as when you say yes to something you feel uncomfortable it can feel the same uncomfortableness when you say no to something but from my experience that doesn't last as long I, I just think that's fantastic advice and I, I almost want 
to sneakily invite Martin to something to see if he says no to me. That's that's what I'd like to do. But I think you can do Martin, it, Martin. are you busy this weekend? <laughs> like it, Shonda Rhimes had the year of yes. Martin needs to have the year of no. Exactly. Like there's real power in both. You yeah. know, I think there'll be folks out there who are really, really desperate to try and say yes to more things because mm-hmm. they may have been holding themselves back. And on the flip side, we have Martin's situation where he feels he says yes to too many things. And so I think really that comes down to how do you want to be spending your time? How does it make you feel? And and really maybe even just write down some values around that that you want to hold yourself accountable to. Like, for example, I'm only going to say yes to two social things a week or, yes. or whatever it is. Yeah, some you boundaries. Know? Some boundaries. Amazing. Excellent advice, Eve, as always. All right, let's get to our next caller. Hi, my name is Luke. I'm from Oklahoma City. I'm a student. I've been using Headspace for a couple of years now. And, you know, I've seen how much it's improved my life inside of school and outside of it. I mean, I was wondering, you know, how do I get the, the people around me, the, the young people, the students around me, you know, excited about mindfulness? I'm about to graduate my undergrad and I'm going to go to go into grad school. And I want other people around me, especially young people who I feel like, you know, are facing the brunt of information overload, climate doom on top of studying. You know, how do I get them excited about mindfulness? Because I know it's more than just telling them to download Headspace and start meditating. Luke, that is such an excellent question. Can you come and work for us, Luke? Right. (laughs) In the marketing department, perhaps, for chance. Thank you for being such an amazing champion and so, so glad that it's had such a positive impact on you. You you know, what's so interesting is this one really resonated with me because, you know, over the years, you know, I've been very honest about the, the kind of childhood that I come from that's not necessarily amazing. And over the years, I've done all these self-help courses. And when I first started taking them, I was very much like I needed everyone around me to take them because I wanted to fix them. And it wasn't until I stopped doing that and I just started taking the information and living into my life that people were like, what are you doing that's different? And then they started doing things. So it's like when I heard Luke's question, I just had an inner chuckle um, about when you want something for someone else so much. And Mm -hmm. I think it comes from such a wonderful place. Oh, it really does. And Luke, this question comes up a lot, actually. And in many ways, it's the million dollar question. How do we encourage others to take care of their mind, their mental health, to meditate? And you think it's a really simple question to answer. Because why would someone not want to do something that's good for them, right? Yeah. What, just why would they not? But it's, it's actually quite tricky. And, and Luke, you called it out. People need this, especially young folks right now. Yeah. You know, the world is a tricky place. Uh, and there is a lot of uncertainty. And a lot of pressure on young people right now. A huge amount of pressure. And, you know, you know the proverb or the saying... You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. And I think that is just so true when it comes to something like encouraging people to try meditation and mindfulness. Generally speaking, people don't like being told what to do, especially 
when it's something that's good for you. Mindfulness meditation, as you know, Luke, is a very experiential practice Mm -hmm. in that you really do have to, you know, do it to experience the benefits. But every single person's experience will be different. Mm -hmm. So what you experience, what I experience, what a friend experiences, you know, that's going to be different. So I think when it comes to sharing with others, I really encourage that. And I think that's actually a really good place to start. And you may already be doing this. Start sharing with your close friends, family, you know, folks that you feel comfortable sharing with in your college about how it's helped you. Yeah. And share details if you can. Uh, I think that really helps folks to see that they're not alone because they may connect with and resonate with some of the things that you're talking about. Uh, But it also shows that it's okay to talk about our struggles Mm -hmm. and, you know, give some examples of where it's really, really helped you. And you may also find that folks start commenting, oh, yeah, I've noticed that when when you do this, you know, you're a lot more patient. But I think just remember that, you know, your experience is going to be different to to others. And if someone's really not that interested or a bit distracted, you know, just back off a little bit. And it's not personal if they're not interested. Like, don't take it personally. It's you have no idea where someone is or what they're up to, you know, what they want to do. They have to want to do it. They have to be in that place in their life. And look, I'll be the first want to say that meditation and mindfulness, as much as I think it's something everyone should do, it's it's not going to be for everyone. And that is totally fine. And there will be other tools and services and ways in which folks can support themselves. Personally, the reason I'm such an advocate for it is because I genuinely feel it's kind of saved my life yeah. in so many ways. Uh, and so I'm deeply passionate about it. And we know now from many, many years of research that there is so much efficacy around these practices. But again, you're not going to sell it to everyone. And and so, you know, encourage people to ask you questions. Yeah. And, you know, as you're a student, Luke, seem like a really engaged, motivated person, you know, see if there are any existing meditation groups or mindfulness classes that you could maybe take part in or volunteer at because that's actually also a really great way to meet other people who are passionate about this and you know if there isn't that's also fine maybe you could suggest that with uh you know start with a few friends and see if they'd be interested in in starting a little group I was gonna say start a group on the campus yeah exactly I think of it sometimes like healthy eating or going to the gym. It, yeah. th- those These are all things that are wonderful for you when you're doing them. They're great. But not everyone can or is up to it at that moment for whatever particular reason is going on for them. And yeah. I think it's important to make space for that too, for other people's paths. Like they might get it 20 years later because mm-hmm. they saw you now. Like you might be putting something in the back of someone's head that that they'll come back to and they'll never even know why they did. But you can't force someone to eat healthy. You can't force someone to go to the gym or to get therapy. Everyone has to do everything in their own time. You just don't want to be that person who's, because you could turn someone off to something that might actually be a really wonderful thing for them. Oh yeah, definitely. And look, everyone's readiness to make change 
will be different. Like mm-hmm. you said, my own example here, I really resisted meditation to start with. I was like, no, no, <laughs> no, not for me. <laughs> but I was so anxious and so stressed. I, I, I could not see the wood from the trees. Yeah. And it, it took, unfortunately, for things to get even worse before I realized, oh, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm ready. That's wonderful. And just to bring it back to Lou, just what an amazing place to be in your life that you're that you're young, that you found this thing that works for you. Embrace that. Be the change. I, I think yes. this is really great news for you, Luke. And I love Eve's advice about, you know, go start a group on campus. Like I love if it doesn't yeah. already exist. I love all of this for you. All right. And now it is time for our last question from Maria. Here we go. Dear Headspace. My name is Maria and I'm from Honduras. I've been struggling to find motivation for doing good things for myself, such as finding a hobby, reading a book, or exercising. I can be self-critical at times and set high expectations for myself. But when it comes to practice, it's hard to find the energy and motivation to stay engaged and getting things done. It's been almost three years of instability and a lot of important changes in my life, including getting a new job abroad, and moving to two different countries. Part of me feels like I'm trapped on sorting out logistics all the time, and I don't have room for anything else in my life. Do you have any advice on how meditation can help me to find motivation and stay engaged? I mean, Eve, what were we just talking about at the top of the show? About like just having to like crank the car to get ourselves moving. This is just like, we're not alone. There's a lot of people where motivation is... Is a, is a tough situation. Yeah, definitely. And Maria, thank you so much for your question. And I firstly just want to say congratulations on taking a new job and moving to two countries. <laughs> yeah. I think my first point here is cut yourself some slack. Yes. Like really try and cut yourself some slack. And, and maybe actually, I don't necessarily want to encourage you writing more lists, but... <laughs> This could be a nice list. Just write down all the things you've achieved over the last three years. And I think you'll be really surprised. And and just sit with that. You know, I I also think just like one step at a time, you know, it's like this is a this is a big thing to acclimate and get comfortable. Just maybe there's just one thing that's the first step. Like I'd like to join this club or I would like to have a couple people to go out to lunch with and then, Mm -hmm. you know, work on that. You know, it's just one thing at a time. I think when you do something big and new, it can feel very overwhelming. Yes. And and Maria, you specifically asked how can meditation and mindfulness help you to feel more motivated? And so just to build on your point, Robin, Start small. Yeah. Uh, and that applies both with your practice, but also with what you're committing to to do, whether it's exercise or reading or time with friends. And, you know, one thing at a time, one foot in front of the other. Uh, and if you think about the real essence of mindfulness, it's this non-judgmental present moment awareness, where we are bringing our full, kind, accepting attention into what it is that we're doing. And when we start trying to multitask, which, of course, we're all naturally going to to do in our 
in our lives. It brings loads of distraction in. And you might be doing one thing, but thinking about this other thing that you have to do. uh, And that just creates tension. And what I'm not saying is that we have to be focused 100% of the time, because that's also not possible. But just start small. What What is one thing that you can do this week? You know, and Eve, can you speak a little bit about, like, in one of the earlier episodes, Cassandra talked about, like, a time to to meditate. You have to put your feet on the floor when you get into bed at night, and you have to mm. do it in the morning. Because you, you you are right, Maria was saying, like, she was struggling with consistency and, and how to really, like, get a consistent practice going for meditation. So what are your thoughts on what Maria could do for that? Yeah, I I loved that episode and what Kaysonga said around, you know, the moment you wake up and you put your feet on the floor, just use that as a moment of practice. When we talk about starting or maintaining a practice, it can naturally feel a little bit daunting because a first thought might be, well, how am I supposed to fit it in to everything else that I'm doing? Or, Or I can't do it every single day. That's daunting too for me. Yeah, I put, uh, I'm my own worst enemy here. I, I also put a lot of pressure on myself and, you know, I'll, I'll give some examples of what helped me when I was starting out with my practice. First things first is start small, maybe just two times a week. And for me, I like to meditate in the morning. Um, I'm more of a morning person than a nighttime person. Everyone's different, but I've, built it into my routine. So I wake up, I make a tea, I do my meditation, and then I take my dog out. Now, of course, that's the ideal morning routine. It's not always going to to work like that. But it's sandwiched in between two things that I always do. I always have to get up. (laughs) (laughs) And I always make a tea. And I always have to take my dog out. Yeah. Uh, And so it's sandwiched in between between some some things that I already do. And so I'm less likely not to do it because I've I've built that that habit and that routine in. That's such a great that's such a great tip. Something that I also have started doing over the last few years, particularly as we've been well less so now, but more in the pandemic when we were working, you know, intensely at home, was I would actually block off time in my in my calendar and I put it in as if it's a meeting. Yeah. And so that might be for you 10 minutes during your lunch. Or similarly, if nighttime feels better, create a a wind down routine, maybe just 10 minutes that feels really good for you. You could do a wind down exercise, maybe put on some soothing music. We've got some great options in the Headspace app. Uh, And maybe just carve out 10 minutes to read. Yeah, but what you don't want to do, I, I know we're not supposed to speak in don'ts, but don't beat yourself up. Yes, please, please be kind to yourself because you, I think, are highly underestimating. Of course, I don't know your exact situation, Maria, but you've taken on a new job. You've moved to two different countries. That takes time. Yeah, that's that's wonderful, wonderful advice. And Maria, we are with you. We are we are standing with you. You're gonna everything's gonna be wonderful. Just take some time. Yes. I'm always just amazed with how thoughtful and deep the questions are that we're receiving. It's it is just 
It, it's so amazing. And there was just so much talk today about beginners in the practice and just what would you recommend, Eve, for folks who are in that space and, and trying to build a practice? I referenced the basics course. I really cannot encourage that enough because it will walk you through step by step, just getting comfortable sitting with the mind, with the body. And if you don't feel like starting a course, there's lots of other things we can try. We have some really, really great mini meditations, which are just three minutes long. So we have breathing exercises. We have a little focus exercise. We have a little body scan exercise. And you can extend the time with mm -hmm. all of those things. But if you're really starting from, from scratch, I would start small. Similarly, a nice way to get started with Headspace is actually with some of our sleep content. If you're struggling with maybe how you might make time to, to practice meditation, maybe just take 10 minutes before bed rather than maybe looking at social media or emails or text messages and, and do one of our wind down exercises. Yeah. It's a really great way to for you to get a feel for Headspace, but also to help you relax and unwind. Amazing. Well, thank you, Martin, Luke, and Maria for sharing your questions with us. And if you are out there and you are listening and you have a question and you would like one of the meditation teachers to answer it, just go over to sayhi.chat slash Dear Headspace. And all you have to do is follow the prompts to record your question. It's so simple. Yes. And you could also leave us some mindful moments or thoughts from your day. That's right. And if we use your question or we share your mindful moment in the show, you are going to get three months of headspace for you. Or as we said to Luke, you can share it with a loved one. Exactly. And so before we go, just want to say thank you again for the questions and the thoughtfulness. But we want to offer a little bit of a transition from this moment to the next, talking about doing one thing at a time mm -hmm. before you head into the rest of your day. We've just built in a little bit of time so that you can take some time to reflect on what you've just heard. This is a moment to let your mind do whatever it wants to do. And today we're leaving you with the soothing sounds of the ocean at dusk. So till next time, stay happy, stay healthy. And most importantly, be kind to yourself and each other.
Dear Headspace is a Headspace Studios original podcast. It's produced by Robin Hopkins, Ash Jones, and Scott Sorensen. It's executive produced by Morgan Selzer, Sarah Cohen, Baron Farmar, and Danny Christamy. It's hosted and produced by Robin Hopkins, Kesanga Giscombe, Dora Kamau, Samantha Snowden, and Eve Lewis Prieto. Sound recording and post-production is by Dan Kroll. Music is by Scott Sorensen and Chris Murgia. And a very special thanks to Colleen Lutz. 